title of my message this morning and just going into the festive season is intimacy with, with God. Intimacy with God. You see, there's two types of relationships that you can have with God. There are others, but I'm just going to identify two. If we can just go to the next slide. There's a distant relationship with, 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 with God. That's like as if you don't know really much of His power. You know of God because you've been brought up in a Christian home. But God's not here. God's here more. It's more a head knowledge than a heart knowledge. It's a distant, it's a far-off relationship. You haven't really experienced His power working in you and through you. And there's another relationship that God, I believe, is calling us to individually, collectively as a church. This nation and the world He's calling us to a place of intimacy, the other relationship that He really seeks. This place of intimacy is at His feet. This place of intimacy is where you experience His power. You've met Him face to face. You know Him. You don't know of Him. You know Him because He's tangible to you. It's an intimate place. It's where God wants you to be, intimate with Him. And you know, we went on a mission about two years ago. It's almost like a mission, um, a mission team meeting this morning because I've got two of my brothers here that actually went with me to India, and both of them I've been praying for many, many years for a lady to appear along their shoulder. One of them that are sitting there, I'm still praying and interceding. But anyway, Brett and myself and Greg, we we became very close on the mission, and we shared a lot of things, and um, I won't embarrass Brett about all the one-on-one counseling that we've had. And all the options that I gave him, you know, the single ladies in the church. Um, But I just wanted to just like explain a little bit about intimacy. They actually are engaged at the moment. So LD, LD's here somewhere, isn't she, Brett? So maybe if LD can come up and Brett, I just want to ask them one or two things. They're quite easy questions. But But just as he does that, I just want to... Um, just in a fun sense, say that if you're single this morning, there is hope. There's always hope. So I know I was flying on, on the plane with a lot of single ladies on that mission two, two years ago, and I won't mention names again, but a certain young lady said, yeah, but the guys in church, you know, they don't even ask us out for coffee. So, you know, what are you guys doing about it? What are you married men doing about to and like, encourage the guys to at least just ask us out for coffee? We're not saying they must marry us. They must just invite us for coffee. So there's, you know, there's always a call for intimacy on every different level, you know. You don't want to be alone. Man wasn't created to be alone. Where are these engaged couples? Okay. Let's give them a hand. They're getting married in March. I've got the privilege to be their best man. And I'll tell some secrets on that day but I won't do it today. But I just want to ask you a few things. Okay, they're quite simple. It's not difficult. Okay. So look at each other. It's become a little bit intimate. Look at each other. Brett and Eldie, do you love each other? Eldie? Okay, she said yes. Okay, have you sacrificed things for each other? 
They both said yes. Oh, it's easy, eh? Do you have to work on your relationship every single day? Okay, both of them said yes. Have you had ups and downs, valleys and mountain experiences within your relationship? You see, I should invite another couple that's been married for 10 or 20 years, and I'm sure they'll answer. I think you must rather say it's going to happen, but we're going to stick. We're going to have the stickability. You see, but, you know, togetherness is a, is a special thing. I mean, Brett, I remember chatting to Brett. Yeah, you guys can face everyone. Just hold hands. You don't have to go yet. Just relax. Intimacy is is the important part because God has created us. You know, he, he, like I said before, we, he hasn't created for us to live alone. But just like the call that they have, engage now to, to be married, an intimacy call within their relationship of love. So God wants to have an intimate place within their relationship and one-on-one. Thanks, guys. Where's your chocolate? I don't let people come up here and don't reward them. Thanks. Let's give them a hand. I just want to take you to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, um, chapter 2, verse 7. And the Lord God, it says, they formed the man from the dust of the ground, and he breathed into their nostrils. I actually wanted to get um, bread to breathe into her nostrils, but it wouldn't have been good. <laughs> breathe into her nostrils with the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, I want to highlight something there. You know, when God formed the universe, formed the waters, um, the animals, plantation, everything, what did he do? He spoke it into being, not so. Okay? And now the converse happened when he, when he breathed into Adam. He spoke it, yes, first from the dust and he formed it and everything. You can read the scripture. But then he became intimate. He drew close to Adam, not so. And what did he do? He breathed. Close as this. <laughs> I won't kiss you. But there's an intimacy there, not so. There's a there's a, there's a connectiveness, and I believe that when that happened, the intimacy of God breathing into Adam and each and every one of us when when we were formed, there was an exchange. A spiritual exchange that happened at that point. And I believe that exchange was that God at that point put the desire within man for intimacy from that point when he breathed into man. There's a built-in desire in each and every one of us to connect to someone, but not to just connect with anyone, to connect with the living God. We can all run, and I think a lot of us here that are saved or those that are unsaved this morning, we all ran at a stage, and we were searching for things. We experienced a lot of things. We dabbled in a lot of things, but none of those things brought fulfillment, not so, until you connect with God, because he's created in us that desire to have an intimate relationship with him. And you know, as I was preparing this, it spoke... In my life too. You know, we can be busy with a lot of things, guys, really. 
and um, Andre can shout at me when he comes back, but I'm going to say the following. You can be busy with a lot of things. You can be on door duty. You can be ushering. You can be taking the collection. You can be on sound. You can be an elder in the church. You can be a life group leader. But if you aren't intimate with God, if those things are taking away your one-on-one intimacy with God, take a step back. Get the intimacy to where God wants it to be. Because you're going to be running around, trying to satisfy everyone. You're going to get tired. You're going to get frustrated. You're going to get negative. Rather take a step back out of that role. Connect with God. Let Him be your all and everything. And then from there, carry on in the calling to the ministry that He's given you. I'm sure Andre will agree with that, huh? So like I said, I believe there was an implantation for intimacy at that, at that point. And then we know the story. We know the story very well. A lady, Eve. <laughs> I shouldn't smile as a bit, no. No, I'm not being ugly to, to a woman. I love my wife. We've been married for 20, 20 years next year. And I remembered that. And I remember too when we got married. So... Just remember, guys, when you get married, always remember your anniversary and your wife's birthday. Because if you don't, you're going to be in big, big trouble. But then the story happened, and then sin came. And what happened? God used to go, as the Word of God says, He used to go and walk with them in the garden. Not so. But sin came, and it caused the barrier. And then what happened? God came, and He wanted to do the same thing. He was craving for intimacy. And what happened? They hid They hid because of sin. And he said, where are you? But he knew everything already. But he asked, where are you? Why are you hiding? And sin is the one thing in any shape or form that sin represents. It divides us. It breaks our intimacy with God. That's the bottom line. You can paint it how you want it. Sin breaks the intimacy with God. And on a daily basis, the call is for us to connect with God. Sort out our issues and be intimate with him. I'm not standing up here and saying I'm the perfect man. I'm far from it. But what I can say is that daily I strive to be better. Connect with God in some way or form that I'm comfortable with and I want to do what he calls me to do. I'm not more gifted than any one of you here this morning. But my desire is to walk a journey of intimacy with God. I want to tell you a story about a little boy that was so excited to see his father. So his father had come home from work. It was a hectic day, heavy day. Things weren't going well. Sales were down. Didn't even know how he was going to pay the bills at the end of the day. But his little son ran to him straight away and just wanted his attention. But he was frustrated. The father was frustrated. He didn't have time. He didn't have the capacity to be able to connect with his child. And his child was like, Daddy, Daddy, I want to go and play. And father said, No, boy, I'm tired. I can't. So the son thought about this and he said, Father, Dad, how much do you earn in a day? Father again, like, sent him away. No, boy, I don't want to talk now. I really just want to relax. So he persisted. Dad, how much do you earn in a day? Dad, how much do you earn in a day? Eventually the father 
relented and said, I earn a hundred rand an hour in a day. So the boy said, Dad, 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 can I borrow 50 rand? He said, no, where is this child going to with this? So the father said, no, that's enough of that. It's bedtime. You must go to sleep. So the boy slept and the morning arrived. And in the morning, the father getting out of bed, he remembered his conversation with the boy, with his son. And he thought, no, look, I was actually wrong. I should have spent time with him. I should have just sat with him. And out of guilt, he went to the boy then and he said, boy, I'm sorry about last night, but he has 50 rand for you. The little boy's eyes and face lit up like a Christmas tree. He ran to his room. He got his piggy, piggy bank, you know, where you save the money. He shook it, he shook it, shook it, and other money dropped out. He collected the money together with the 50 rand, and he sprinted back to his dad. And he said, Dad, 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 can I buy one hour of your time? He has 100 rand. And that little boy is the father wanting our time. But there's so many things in life that do what? It robs and steals our time. And you know, Satan's very sly. It's a lot of the times things that rob our time and our intimacy time with God are not bad things. Not so. Except if it's shopping, ladies. That is, that is bad. <laughs> but there's lots of little things that, that Satan does in our lives that takes us off of the intimacy track. And it's not really sinning, but it brings that division. It's time that we know we should be spending with God and we don't. And I believe, like people have said before, that God is coming back for a spiritful church. But I say, and I've discussed it in our life group and with a few people, God is also coming back for a church that is, that is a church that's a Bible-filled, biblically-filled church. A word-filled church. That's what he's coming back for. Because as he breathed that air into, into Adam's uh, nostrils, So, with that impartation, he's given us the word of God. This is his breath. This is his voice to us. And he's coming back for a church and a people that know the word of God and love the word of God. Okay, the next one there. That's my most... If you you don't remember anything today, just remember that. You are as close to God today as you choose to be. Not how I choose to be. Not how Greg, not how anyone, not how Andre spoke a good message or your um, life group leader or your accountability partner. You, each and every one of you, are as close to God today as what you choose to be. That's the bottom line. You know, in business, that was, what's the bottom line? What's your bottom line? What's the last line? What's the, what's the crux of the matter what is it? It's that. And you know, I can, I can uh, your, your cell group leader or anyone can lead you upon the path, but at the end of the day, it's for you to have the one-on-one time with, with God. So therefore, the choice is yours. But I'll tell you from, from my life, trials, there's no doubt about it. Trials have brought me closer to God. And I'm going to say this. I'm going to say that God often sends trials to do just that. Because what happens in trials? Number one, you say, I can't control it. You know, it's out of my control. It's out of my sphere of influence. 
Therefore, you turn closer to God. You say, God, I can't control this anymore, but I know, I know, I stand on the word of God. You can control it. So I believe he sends things and seasons in our lives that he can bring us to our knees in certain times. I'm not saying that all of the time. But if you really analyze your life, times that you are closer to God, yes, can be out of that situation, but often when trials hit you. And when you are closer to God, what happens? You all know. When you are closer to God, there's more peace, there's more joy in your life. You can handle situations and difficult situations easier. Not so. So Psalm 63, 1 to 4 says the following. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. Let's say earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I have seen you in the sanctuary and held your power and your glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. Let's say that together. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. Earnestly seeking God. There needs to be an earnest, like a seeking within us, like a craving within us for more of God. And the Holy Spirit brings that into our spirit, more of Him. We want more of Him. And Bruce Wilkinson tells um, of a story of a time, and you know him, he's a very well-known writer, etc. Of a time in his life when he felt far from God. Nothing that he did, he says, he, that could give him that close feeling and that connectedness that he desired with God. He was busy with a lot of things. At that stage in his life, he was writing books, bestsellers, giving seminars, attending church meetings, doing a lot of things for God. But in the midst of the season, he had a spiritual awakening, and he had an encounter with God, and God just said the following to him. I quote, God did not want me to do more for him. He wanted me to be more with him. He was calling me to a place of intimacy. And this morning I want to say the same to each and every one of you. God doesn't want you to necessarily do more for him. He wants to be more interconnected with you. He wants more of you, one-on-one time. John 15, 5, let's just go to the next scripture, says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And the question I'm asking today too is, how close are you to the vine? How close this morning are you to the vine? You know, connected to the vine changes your perspective and your outlook. Connected to God changes the whole way that you view things in life. The whole way that you view South Africa. The whole way that you view the president of South Africa and the decisions that he makes, like firing the minister of finance. Because if we do what the word of God says, what does the word of God say? It says, live one day at a time. Live one day at a time. We can't control situations. But what we can do is if we've got an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ, we have hope in every situation because we know that nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. The rand can go to null value. Nothing is impossible with God. 
He says in that word of God that I've read, He will take care of His people. He will never leave us nor forsake us. He says He is closer than a brother. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, He has a hope and a future for each and every one of you. That is what I stand on. I don't stand on the other side shows. And I was on a plane on Friday traveling to, to Durban, and I was sitting next to one of my customers, and he is a Christian. And um, obviously the subject of what's happening in the country comes up, and without being ugly to him and that type of thing, it's, it's sort of slanted <laughs> a bit negative, or a lot negative. And I was just saying, no, 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 I can't live in that space. You know, I really can't live in a negative space. I have to live in a positive space because I know who God is, etc., etc. He said, but Rion, you have to be real. And I understand what he's saying. You need to be a realist. But being a realist and knowing Jesus Christ, I choose to have hope because I know a God of hope. So I'm not saying this morning, don't be real. There's always going to be challenges, but we have a God of hope, not so. American pastor John Wimber said the following, The ability to hear what God is saying, to see what God is doing, and to move in the realm of miraculous comes as an individual develops the same intimacy and dependency on God the Father. Jesus, just do as Jesus did. How did Jesus do what he did? The answer is found in his relationship with the Father. He only did what the Father told him to do. We do the greater things than these that Jesus calls us to in John fourteen twelve is by discovering the same relationship of intimacy, simplicity, and obedience to the living Father, Jesus Christ. God loves you with an intimacy that surpasses all your dreams. If you've got a dream this morning, if you um, know how good God is, believe me, he wants to do even more than that. He wants to do more than that. This is an extraordinary privilege and honor that we have, that we can connect with the living God. Okay, let's just play that video, and then I'll close off. Intimacy with God. Intimacy with God is... Worship. Prayer, fasting, receiving the Word of God. What makes worship intense is because worship is a celebration that he and I were joined together and that I was chosen in him before the foundations of the world. And that's why I get certain things out of worship that I don't get out of anything else. You can counsel me all you want to, but if you let me worship, I get a release in my spirit. Jesus did not teach his disciples how to preach. He did not teach them how to produce a miracle magazine. He did not teach them how to take offerings. But he did teach them to pray. Because if you do not have the knowledge of prayer and fasting, you will never be a victorious Christian. He says it will break every 
yoke. A yoke is a bondage. A yoke is a bad habit. A yoke is is something that is destroying you physically. He said, I can break the bad habits if you'll come to me and fast about it. You got bad habits that are keeping you in bondage, hindering your health, shortening your life, destroying your Christian witness. You can have a breakthrough in those areas through fasting. You don't have to be addicted to alcohol. You don't have to be addicted to nicotine. You don't have to be addicted to pornography. You don't have to live that life of being under a yoke and in bad habits the rest of your life. If you will fast about it, God says, I will break that yoke. When you receive the word of God, you receive the mind of Christ. And when you receive the mind of Christ, you receive the revelation of who God really is. And that revelation transforms you into another person. That revelation transforms you into a powerful dynamite in this world. And when people see you, they won't see who you are, but they will see Christ in you. And then you will become a world changer. And you will be the living Christ walking in this world. Amen. So the world will see who God really is through your life. So just in closing, I just want to just go through six um, quick points just on how to develop, I believe, intimacy with God. And it goes in line a lot of what the video that we just saw. But in James 4, 8, it says, Come near to God, and He will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your heart, you double-minded. So I believe there's a nearness. God wants us near to Him. There's a call to that, but we need to have what? We need to have clean hands, not so. Clean hands and a pure heart. So just number one there, if we can just put up. I believe one of the calls is to quit dabbling in sin. The enemy is tricky, like I said. He does not tell us to abandon God, but he offers seemingly good things and harmless things that draw us away from the best thing, which is intimacy with God. I think an important lesson here too is to watch the company that we keep. Watch the friends that you have. Do they have the same principles as you? Do they, do they love God? Do they have a relationship with Christ? And I'm not saying now don't have friends like that. We are called to go in and find the lost. I'm just saying if they're influencing you and you're not strong enough, watch the friendship circles that you have. So quit dabbling in sin. Number two, purify your inner life. Purify your inner life. Proverbs 27:19 says the following, As water reflects a face, so a man's heart reflects a man. As water reflects or a mirror reflects a face, so the heart reflects a man. What happens in our hearts has a greater importance to our Heavenly Father. If there's lust in your heart, if there's greed, if there's hate, if there's unforgiveness, if there's anger, if there's rebellion and many other forms of sin, a separation forms, and it damages your purity and your connection with the Father. 1 John 2, 5 and 7 says the following, Walk in the light. This is the message we have heard from Him and declare it to you. God is light. 
in him there is no darkness. I just want to just emphasize there, if you got it, God is light, in him there is no darkness. There is no gray area. It's right or wrong. It's sinful. You know, there's no gray area. It's black and white. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we lie. And we do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with the one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. So I believe purifying your heart. Number three, humble yourself. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Get down on your knees and humble yourself before your master. It is the only way to get back up on your feet again. Humbling ourselves means recognizing that our worth comes from God and God alone. This involves working with his power according to his guidance. Humbling ourselves in part is part of drawing near to God. It's part of the process, humbling yourselves. Fourth part, fourth one. Feed on God's word daily. And there's different forms. I'm not going to say how you have to do it. Feed on God's word on a daily basis. Matthew 4, 4 says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall do what? Not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This is his word. We need to feed on it on a daily basis. Important part there, intimacy flows from our relationship with God and our intimate knowledge of his word. Fifth point, a relationship of openness, vulnerability, and honesty. We come to the Father with an open heart. We come to the Father, and before we tell Him anything, He already knows it. He knows how you feel. He knows about the past. He knows the plans and purposes that He has for you in the future. He knows everything. So approach Him with an openness, vulnerability, and an honest heart. Psalm 35, 11 and 18, you can read it in your own time. But it talks about David and about the... um, problems that he was facing. And one of the things that he faced was opposition. So I just want to read you just those three bullets, opposition, unanswered prayer, and uh, failure. Opposition. David faced great opposition from those who, who paid evil for good and attacked him. And you may also, in your walk with God and in your intimacy with God, face great opposition. For those people that repay you evil for doing good. They may slander you, attack you, be maliciously mock you. But opposition does not only come from the world. Unfortunately, it can also come from God's people. So you need to recognize that certain times opposition does come. But you go to the Father, humble yourself on your knees, and you say, Father, help me, give me wisdom to to do the right thing, to, to react in the right way. Unanswered prayer. David, you can read that scripture for, for yourself. Like I said, Psalm 35, 11 to 18. He had times of unanswered prayer. In verse 13, he said, there, are many, there may be many times when your prayers do not seem to be heard. He said, my prayers return to me unanswered. And he said to God, how long are you going to stand there doing nothing? So that, so that uh, verse 12 and 13 actually says that David had an intimate relationship with God. He spoke to him like a friend. Yes, there was a respect and a reverence. But he said there, why are my prayers not answered? How long are you going to show yourself? And then failures. We all stumble. Verse 15 talks about that. We can feel we are walking with the Lord quite happily and well. And suddenly what happens? We stumble. 
Being a Christian does not mean that we never stumble. There may be times when we fail to meet our own standards, let alone God's standards. But like David, speak to God about these challenges. Do not pretend that all is well and run away from his presence. It is this openness, vulnerability, and honesty that draws you into an intimate relationship with God. And at the end of that chapter, David ends off with verse 18, and I just want to read it to you. I've got one more point after this. He said, Lord, thank you that I can come to you and speak to you from my heart. Thank you that you listen to my cries of my heart. Thank you that you rescue me and enable me to say, I will give you thanks in the great assembly. Among the throngs, I will praise you. And then finally, point six. Stand still and listen. This is a difficult one. Stand still and listen. You know, life is so busy. How many times do we really stand still and listen? Go into a quiet place, your study or your room or wherever, and close the door and say, God, I'm going to listen to you now. Speak to me. Speak to me through your word, audible voice, through the Holy Spirit, whatever it may be. But quieten yourself to be able to listen. I can't stress that enough. We need to quieten ourselves to be able to listen to God. He will speak to you. He will speak to you. And just an example there which I had is about Moses. In Numbers chapter 7 and 8, the people were always asking him, you know, what is God doing? What is God doing? He never answered until he had times that he stilled his own voice. He seek God's face and God spoke to him and then he spoke to the people. So the first connection was with God not with people or just saying the first thing that came into his mind. So it came from an intimate relationship that Moses had with God.